This is Hacker Public Radio episode 3453 for Wednesday, the 27th of October 2021. Today's show is entitled Rust 101, Episode 1, Hello World, and is part of the series Programming 101. It is hosted by Black Colonel and is about 22 minutes long and carries an explicit flag. The summary is, in which Black Colonel introduces the cargo tool, and goes into detail, on the Rust Hello World program. This episode of HPR is brought to you by Archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to Archive.org forward slash donate. Hello and welcome to Hacker Public Radio. My name is Black Colonel and this is my Rust 101 series. Today I'm going to be going over how to write a Hello World program in Rust as well as each one of the parts of the Hello World program. Now in order to get started you're going to need something called Rust Up. Or actually what you really need is two programs which are Cargo, which is the Rust build system, as well as Rust C, which is the Rust compiler both of which are necessary to really have a development environment in Rust. And the way that you'd get these is you would go to uh, www.rustlang.org slash tools slash install. That is wwwwhiskeywhiskeywhiskey.romeouniformsierratango-lima-alpha-november-golf dot Oscar Romeo Golf slash Tango Oscar Oscar Lima Sierra slash India November Sierra Tango Alpha Lima Lima. If you go to that URL, then under the section using Rust Up, it has a bash script as a one of those. I I don't really like them, but it's a it's a cur- you curl a bash script and then you run it through sh. But what you can do is you can just run the first part of it and redirect it into a file called installrustup.sh or whatever you want. And then you can read the file to see what it's doing. And then you can either make it executable with chmod, which is chmod, plus x and then the name of the file, or you can do or you can cat that file and pipe that to sh. Either way, if you run that, then it'll go through a little graphical and well, not graphical. It'll go through a little terminal-based installer and let you customize it and all of that stuff. And as soon as that's done, you're going to want to either restart a new bash session because it's going to add something to your path, or It'll tell you at the bottom. You can either you can either do that, or you can add, or you can um, source. What is it? I want to say it's 
home slash dot cargo slash env, I want to say, or something like that. It'll tell you at the bottom of the installer what you can source in order to in order to do that. Or you can just restart a bash shell and it should work from there. Uh, at this point you should have cargo and bash both installed. Well, sorry, you should have cargo and rust C installed. And that's where you need to be for this. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to type in cargo, that's C-A-R-G-O space N-E-W new space and then the name of the program. So for this I'm going to be doing Rust 101 as the name, but you can choose whatever you'd like. And then I hit return and it'll say created binary application Rust 101 package. And if I do an ls in this directory, there's a new directory now called Rust 101. I'm going to cd into that directory, cd Rust 101, and inside of it you have a file called cargo.toml and a directory called src. The cargo.toml file, which is cargo.tango Oscar Mike Lima, is a configuration file that will say all of the dependencies that you need for the Rust program as well as just various options for when, when you're building it. You can kind of think of it kind of like your configure.in file for auto tools. That sort of thing is what's in Cargo. Uh, if I open it up in, uh, I'm going to use Vim really quick, but you can do it in Nano or Emacs if you must. Uh, you can see that you, it has a, I mean, it's a, it's a Toml file if you know what that looks like. I really do like Toml as a, as a serialization language. So we have these two fields, package and dependencies. And inside of them, you have these various elements. You have name which has the name of the program. You have the version, which is the version that the program is on. And then you have addition. Now, this isn't the addition of your program. It's probably going to say what mine does, which is 2018. If it doesn't say 2018, it's probably going to say 2021 because there's a new edition of Rust coming out this year. Well, as I'm recording it, it's this year. It's going to come out in 2021, and uh, there's going to be a few changes to it, but this will let the Rust compiler know what version of Rust you're using. You can kind of think of this like C++11 versus C++19, that sort of thing. Underneath that, you have this um, a helpful comment that says that you can get more keys and their definitions at, and then it has the URL for the manifest.html. And then under that, you have a field called dependencies, which is blank, because this doesn't actually require any dependencies. So I'm going to quit out of that. And I'm going to cd into that src directory that we saw. And then ls in that directory. And we have a main.rs file. You can think of this a lot like your main.c file in C, because this is where all of the main stuff in your program is going to happen. And then you can import various other C files as modules or libraries into this main file. So I'm going to open up this file in your text editor of choice. I'm going to be using vim. And you can see it has a very short three-line Hello World program already written for you, which just has function main with uh, opening and closing bra uh, parentheses, and then open bracket, and then print line, exclamation point, and then parentheses, double quote, hello world, end double quote, and closing parentheses, semicolon, closing bracket. And then that's your whole Hello World program. 
I'm going to be going over what each one of these elements is in order to kind of explain to you a little bit more about how this program works. So functions, which is what this is in Rust, they're statically typed like everything else. Now this, the main function doesn't typically return anything. Um, you can generally return uh, anything that has a Um, so with, with a function, the way that it generally works is that you have your function name, you have your arguments, and then you have your return values. Main doesn't take any arguments. If you want to deal with command line options, you're actually going to have to use a crate, which we're going to talk about uh, in the next episode. Well, maybe the episode after that. We're going to be talking about it soon, called Clap, Charlie, Lima, Alpha, Papa, if you want to look that up ahead of time, just look up on DuckDuckGo or Start Page or whatever. Look it up. Look up Clap and then Rust, and you should find it. Um, I'll also put it in the show notes. And then you can have have return values, but the main function doesn't have any return values. So the name of this function is main. Takes no arguments and has no return values. If we wanted it to have a return value, because you can have main return a value, but it has to be a of type result, which I talked a little bit about last time. A result type has two sort of values. You can either, it's like a, a named boolean or a boolean with extra stuff in it. You have the OK type or you have the error type. And the way you can make this return a type is that if we add to, after the closing parentheses, so we have FN space M-A-I-N open parentheses, close parentheses, and then we can put a space, and then hyphen, greater than symbol, or closing triangular brace, and then space, and then capital R, result, and then open uh, triangle bracket, so that's a less than symbol, and then we would do a closing triangle bracket. No. We would do an opening triangle bracket, and then an opening parentheses, and then a closing parentheses, and then a closing triangle bracket. And this would return a standard result of either a void type or of a error type, if it errored out. You can think of this like the way you wouldn't see, where you could have an int main void, except for, uh, in this case, returning a void type is the uh, the preferable option here, whereas an error, you can have that go through some error processing to return an exit code, or you can use the exit function, which I believe is in... I know it's in the standard Rust library, but I believe it's in standard colon colon env. I'm going to talk about more what that means when I go over crates and modules later on. Uh, but for now, what we can do is if we erase all of that, and I'm just going to go back to the way that the function was originally. I'm going to quit out of that and go back to the uh, the main directory. So that's where you have your cargo.toml and your src file. And if you type in this directory cargo, C-A-R-G-O space R-U-N run, and hit enter, then what it's going to do is it's going to Give me errors, I suppose. Oh, I accidentally... It, that's my fault. I accidentally... 
added something into the source file. So let me get rid of that. What I, what I did was I accidentally inserted a backtick in the middle of one of the lines when I was trying to hit escape in Vim because I apparently don't know how to use the text editor that I use on an everyday basis. Uh, anyway, so back in the main directory, we type in cargo, C-A-R-G-O, space R-U-N, run, and hit enter. And it's going to compile, finish compiling, and then it'll run it, and then you'll get your Hello World line. So this is your Hello World program. So back in the source directory, if I go back into main.rs, that's sort of how a function works. It'll run the main function first, and then it'll run any functions that are called by the main function. The thing that about this that's a little bit interesting is that, so we're not actually calling a function inside of the main function. Print line exclamation point is not a function, it's what's called a macro. And what a macro means is that it's sort of like, it's almost like a lambda sort of, but not really. It's It's like a more general type of function. You can think of it as like a more loose style of function. So functions in Rust have to be statically typed. So you have to have exactly the same amount of arguments. You have to have exactly the same number of return types and all of that kind. But macros are allowed to be a lot more flexible. So we can it can have a variable number of return or it can have a variable number of arguments and it'll return something utilizing function. Uh, you can actually look up if I open up uh, Firefox and I type in Rust standard library. Then I will get a result. And if in the search bar that says all crates, I type in print line exclamation point, it'll have this first result, print line. It has a, it says that it's a macro standard colon colon print line. And on the right-hand side, there's a part that says SRC. This is a really useful thing to know about. So if you click that SRC button, it'll take you to the source code. And here, you will see actually how that print line function is defined. So you see it says macro rules, exclamation point, space, print line. This is sort of like your function declaration for a function. Then you have an open bracket. And then you have, what this is, is it's a pattern and result style of sort of manipulation. You kind of think of this like something you would see in said with regex or something like that. Uh, it, it is technically different. It's like a... Rec if you're familiar with Haskell, this is very similar to Haskell. The way that functions are done in Haskell, where it's all done in that sort of lambda calculus-like way, and it's kind of honestly a pain to write. But that's sort of what this is. And you can see that what it's doing is it's calling... Uh, io underscore print that underscore by the way is because it's not a function that's normally called by a like by the user so it's it's kind of a function that's meant for internal use only mostly and then you see that it has that format args uh, underscore nl and then it has the argument so what this is basically saying is that if you have these arguments it, you see that it has the dollar sign parentheses, dollar sign, arg, colon, tt, close parentheses, asterisk. That's saying that if you have arguments in there, then it's going to run this IO print. It's going to print out all of that arguments that have been formatted through that format args new line, which means that it's going to format them kind of like a printf statement where you can have um, uh, 
those sorts of characters in the middle and it'll match those up with variables in like the way that you do with print line. Like if you did print line percent S and then close quote, or sorry, print line print F, open quote, percent sign S, end quote, and then you would have like, I don't know, V, or I guess you would call it num or something, or some kind of not really a number because it's asking for a string, but if you had it, like, you could, you would have some message, like MSG or whatever, for the message that you would want to be put into that printf statement. That's what this is doing with that format args new line. And then it also puts a new line character at the end of it so that you get an automatic new line character with the println or print line macro. Now, the other one, the one that is just the two brace the two uh, parentheses, open parentheses, close parentheses, that's saying that if you don't get any arguments, then you can go ahead and just print the new line character. And that's exactly what happens in this if we were to mess around with a little more. I'm not going to get so much into the writing of the code yet. I'm going to get more into that next time. Right now, I just kind of want to give you a feel for like the way that the code is written so you can sort of understand the way that this is all being translated. Now, inside of the parentheses after the exclamation point in the print line macro, we have, quote, hello world, end quote, or hello world, exclamation point, end quote. That This is a string literal. It is a of type ampersand str, like we saw in the last time. So this is a reference to a, or it's a slice of a string. And this is uh, automatically typed because... That's sort of what that means, is that it's going to have that value. So if you ever want something to be of that type, then you can give it... You can put it in uh, double quotes, and then you're off to the races. And then you got yourself an ampersand string type. Then you have your closing parentheses, which ends the arguments, and then you have a semicolon. Then you have a closing brace. The semicolon ends the lines in a very similar way as C. And that's basically your hello world statement right there. Uh, I'm going to go... I put a little bit more details into in the show notes, uh, specifically about how uh, about meta function macros being like meta functions. Let's see, is there anything else that I'm missing from here? Not really. Uh, I'm gonna go and go off script a little bit, and I'm actually gonna because I've only been recording for holy crap, it's been 17 minutes. Uh, I guess I don't actually have time for this, but I'm gonna do it anyway. I'm gonna just show you really quickly how the print line statement works with variables. So I'm gonna define a variable. I'm gonna define a variable. With uh, I'm gonna let I don't know foobar equal, and I'm gonna do a double quote, and then I'm gonna do baz and double quote, and then semicolon. So I defined a variable called foobar. It's gonna be of type ampersand str because you have the double quotes around baz, which is the value that's being assigned to it. And then I'm going to delete the hello world out of the print line statement. I'm going to replace it with open bracket, open curly bracket, close curly bracket. And then I'm going to do, after the double quote, I'm going to do a comma and then a space. And then I'm going to type in F-O-O-B-A-R. I'm going to type in foobar. That's Foxtrot, Double Oscar, Bravo, Alfa Romeo. And then I'm going to save and quit out of, out of this. CD back one directory to be in that root directory. And then I'm going to type in cargo run, and it's going to print out baz. So what's going on here is that it's replacing it's replacing the 
brackets that we put in there with the value from that um, from that variable. Now, a fun fact is that if inside of those brackets, because right now they're empty, if inside those brackets I put a colon question mark, then what that'll do is that instead of running it through the default displayer that print would normally, or that format rather, would want to display it as, so it just wants to take the value of the string and just print it out as a string, sort of like pretty print it, this will print it out in debug mode. So if I uh, save and quit that and I go back one dir and I go back one directory and I run cargo run, you'll see now there's a double quote around the baz because that's sort of what it is. That's what the literal thing is of it. It kind of gives you more of a type information and you can do this with all of your different variables, like even ones that don't have like a string component to them like an array or a or some kind of a weird structure that you've created, you can still print it out in debug mode, which will give you a lot of information about that structure, which is very useful to know about. I think that's going to be about it for this episode. Next time I'm going to be starting on actually making the project that this that I'm kind of going to be going over for this Rust 101 series. It's going to be a dice roller, a la what you would get, like, Klaatu and uh, GNU World Order does a lot of stuff with dice rollers as his. I'm going to be making it a little bit more fancy than just a basic dice roller, though. In later episodes, I'm planning on upgrading it with uh, rolling, quote-unquote, at advantage, which is something that is in the 5th edition of Dungeons & Dragons. It means you roll the die twice and take the better value, as well as maybe possibly doing a 4d6 or roll however many dice and then drop the lowest value, which should be pretty simple to implement, even though I haven't done it yet. So we'll find out together. But that's basically all I wanted to go over with in this episode, so thank you all for joining me, and I hope to see you next time. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website, or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.